Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 11. The Bible said, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Verse number 12, There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Father, I pray this morning that you'd help us. Lord, I don't want to just preach a sermon, God, but I pray that you'll give us a message this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit would guide our tongue and our thoughts. And Lord, we don't want to say anything that would be in the flesh or anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. But I pray, God, that you would give us liberty. I pray that you would be exalted. Most of all, I pray for the drawing power of God upon the hearts of men. Save the lost. Lord, no doubt there are people here that are lost. And I pray that you'd save them this morning. I pray deep conviction upon their soul. Even right now, may they come to the realization that they need Jesus as their Savior. And I pray for us that are saved this morning. Lord, that there'd be a reality, a renewness, a freshness. God, may revival be born in all of our hearts this morning. And may we leave the house of God, as it's already been said, challenged and changed for the glory of God. May we leave this morning different than when we came. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach this morning on this subject on a millennial generation. A millennial generation. And I want to say this morning as I begin this message that I'm not putting every millennial in the message that I'm talking about this morning. When I say use the subject a millennial generation, I realize this morning that there are a lot of young people that love God, young adults that love God and are serving God and living for God and walking in the old past. And don't you thank God for some young adults and some young people even sitting in this church that wants the old time way and wants to live for God and wants to do right and they're wanting to raise their children right. And I praise God for that this morning. And I'm not necessarily just preaching to the young adults, the millennials that are here in this building this morning, but this text is talking about about this generation. There is a generation and I think that the millennials that are here this morning that loves God and is living for God would agree with us this morning that there is a generation that is on the rise and there is a generation that is presently living even right now today that would fit the text that we're preaching from this morning. When the Bible talks about there is a generation I want you to see this morning that that is this generation that we are living in and this generation that we are dealing with this morning. I think that you would agree that this is an educated generation, that they know more about science and more about mathematics and more about world and current events and more about even the Bible, amen, than any generation that has lived on planet earth. It is a very educated generation. And then it is a very egotistic generation. This is a generation, my friend, that has lifted themselves up. They've allowed higher learning and, and prosperity and the things of this world uh, to cause their thinking and mentality to be different than the generations that were before them. It's a very egotistic generation. In fact, I would even say that it is very hard to preach the gospel to this generation that we're living in and to get them to see the need that is in their life because of the egotism that social media and that the world and, and that the indoctrination of even things within our public school system and even 
in our court system today, the mentality that has been taught uh, has built the ego of this generation up. This is a generation that's a very entertaining generation. They like to be entertained. Now, I like entertainment, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with good, clean entertainment. Somebody say amen right there, and the right kind of entertainment, but we're living in a generation that is drunken on entertainment, amen? There's nothing wrong with fellowship and fun like we had yesterday. Nothing wrong with getting out and tossing a football and cooking a hamburger, a hot dog, and enjoying life. Somebody say amen right there. But there is something wrong when that's what drives you in life, amen? When that's all you're ever thinking about, that when that's all that you're ever looking for. And friend, that's the generation that we're seeing today. They know very little about responsibility, very little about character and conduct. All they want to do is be entertained. They, they want to sit back and enjoy something throughout the day, every day. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong, as I said, with entertainment, but responsibility, character, life, these things come before entertainment. Somebody say amen. But the millennial generation today is a generation that is drunken on entertainment. They want a paycheck, but they don't want to work the job. Somebody say amen. They want rights and privileges, but they don't want to earn them. Amen. They feel like they deserve them. It's an entertaining generation. And then I'll say it's an expensive generation. What I mean by that is they want everything for nothing. Now, there's nothing wrong with riches. The Bible teaches there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having money, amen? As long as money don't have you. If you have worked hard all your life and, and you've saved your money and you maybe you went to college or maybe you didn't go to college and you've had a blue-collar job but you've worked hard and, and you, listen, you pay your tithes and you pay your taxes and you pay your bills, uh, you got nothing to be ashamed about about having a little bit of money in the bank. Somebody say amen. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a generation that starts out in their 20s uh, and they want what people uh, they want what people in their 60s and their 70s has got and they feel entitled to that I'm talking about a generation that wants to spread the wealth somebody say man they want to take away from a hard working man and a hard working lady that has worked hard all their life and they want to give it to somebody that's laid up on the couch amen and never done anything never worked a job never sweated a day in their life uh, and listen there's something wrong with that amen but that's a generation that parades in the streets and holds up signs and protests but really doesn't even know what they're protesting, amen? That's a generation, listen, they don't know spot from run, amen? But yet they want to protest and stand for something. I'm talking about a, a generation, my friend, that is drunken on entertainment and a generation, my friend, that when you think about it, it's an expensive generation, Amen. They call life having a, a $50,000 bass boat and an $85,000 pickup truck. And can I just stop and say this? If you can buy an $85,000 pickup truck, help yourself, amen? But if you gave me $85,000, I'd go buy a $25,000 pickup truck and save the rest of it to do it two more times with somebody say amen. Isn't that right? It just makes sense, but nothing wrong with having one. If you can have one, help yourself, amen? But there is something wrong with a generation, amen, that's working at Walmart, uh, and they're making whatever you make an hour now, and they want to drive an $85,000 pickup truck. I mean, listen, that math, that math don't even work in the state of Alabama. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? I mean, you got to live within your means. But that's a generation. That's the throwaway generation. They don't keep it. Now, I don't think you ought to keep everything. Somebody say, man, I'm gonna get a lot of trouble, I'm gonna move on. 
I don't like clutter. Somebody say amen. If you can't use it, lose it. Somebody say amen right there. And if you can't use it, you don't need it. Isn't that right? Been amazing how this younger generation, they want all these things, they don't want to work for it. That's the generation of this text. And I want you to see the things about this generation on the spiritual side. That is the problem this morning. Number one, I want you to see the profanity of this generation. The Bible said in verse number 11, there is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Their problem this morning is not necessarily materialism. Their problem this morning is not parading in the streets. The problem this morning does not start with them wanting everything for nothing. The problem, you know where it started at the Bible said in the, the profanity of this generation? It started in their home, amen? It didn't start when they were 25 years old. It didn't start when they were 20 years old. The problems you deal with in society with this generation on the job and down at the, at the schoolhouse, can I tell you where it all started at? It started at home, amen? The Bible says here that the profanity of this generation is that they had profanity and disrespect toward the head of the home. The word of God said that they curseth their father. Now anyone that would curse their father is a sorry individual. Somebody say amen. And I know they may need to be saved, they need to be born again, but what it tells is that they do not respect the authority that God has placed in their home. The first head of authority given to any of us when we came into this life was our father, amen. Now some may have not had a father and we understand understand that, but if you had a mom and dad, it doesn't matter if they were saved or lost, uh, they was the authority that is in your life. Doesn't matter if they did right or if they did wrong, they was the authority. It wasn't what they did that God's gonna hold you accountable for, but it's how you responded to that authority. It's how you respected that authority. I would say to every young person and even every young adult this morning that God will judge us based uh, on how we treated our parents. Somebody say Amen. That's a commandment with promise, isn't that right? Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. I remember growing up, my parents weren't saved and they didn't know much about the Bible, but they must have read that verse somewhere because I would say, well, why do I have to do this? And they would say, because what? I said so. Isn't that right? And they would say, it's just right. You just need to go do what I told you or I'm gonna beat the devil out of you, amen? Isn't that right? And so it taught respect for authority. But there's a generation that questions that authority. We were raised not to question that authority. Well, if mom or dad said so, it must be right because they said so. But a millennial generation questions everything. They even question their parents. And I'm gonna tell you, friend, when God gives you, listen, gives you parents, you ought to love them, you ought to respect them, you ought to pray for them, you ought to treat them right. Somebody say amen right there. Listen, my dad was not saved. He lived a drunkard's life, but we were taught to respect him. And I've never regretted that one day in my life, amen. I'm not telling you I always did right and that I wasn't never disrespectful, but when I was, they knew how to sound the alarm. Somebody say amen right there. I'm talking about thank God for some men that were heads of their home, amen. And we do need a revival of manhood, isn't that right? We need some fathers that will lead their home, lead your children, train your children, love your children, raise your children. I know you've got to work a job, but you're still accountable for 
how your children live and the things they do. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, listen, the head of that home, listen, you've got to teach them what the right way is. And to this generation, they curse their father. They have no respect for them. They call them the old man. I'm gonna tell you, listen, I would have been picking my teeth up off the floor if I'd have called my daddy the old man. Isn't that right? Because even as an old man, he could have still whooped me. Isn't that right? I'm talking about a generation that all respect their father. The profanity toward the head of the home and then the profanity toward the heart of the home. The Bible said here that this generation that curseth their father and doeth not bless their mother. Amen. I'm talking about you look at a young man or a young lady and how they treat their mother tells you a lot about them. I've seen young people talk to their mother like they were dogs. I'm talking about, listen, you say, well, my mom, and they'll blame their parents. You know what I like to say to every young person or young adult? Well, you'll get your turn one day. I'm gonna tell you, raising children and training them is not easy. And we will all make our mistakes. Is that right this morning? And I would say to every young person here and even young adults, never point a finger at your parents and blame them. You are an individual. You, have, you get to make your own choices at some point in your life. And I'm telling you, the day's coming when and it'll come faster and sooner than what you think. And you'll make choices and I promise you in making choices, you will make mistakes, amen. You will have regrets in life as everyone has. And so be careful what you blame your parents for. No, they're not perfect. No, they don't do everything right. But I'll tell you, if you'll look down life's road, there's a whole lot more to thank God for your parents and what they've done for you. You wouldn't be where you're at today if it wasn't for your mom and your dad. You ought to not point out the one or two mistakes that you see that they make in life, but you ought to remember all the times that your daddy got up at four o'clock in the morning and he went to work and punched a time clock and he got sweaty and he got dirty and he worked all day for very little to come home and put a roof over your head and clothes on your back. You ought to thank God for every time you pulled up at the table or opened the refrigerator and you never bought that food that you ate, amen. You never had to pay a penny for it. It didn't just arrive there. It didn't just show up at your doorstep, but somebody went out and somebody was the breadwinner and somebody came and they put that food in the in the refrigerator. You ought to thank them. You ought to hug their neck every now and then and say thank you. Listen, when you pull that closet back and you see them clothes and them shoes and that good bed you sleep in that you didn't pay for, you ought to thank your parents for the goodness they brought to your life, amen. That ought to make up for some bad mistakes, shouldn't it? You ought to thank your mother for every good hot cooked meal, amen. You ought to thank your mother. He was talking about almond milk this morning and I thought, Lord, how in the world could you make a cat head biscuit out of almond milk? I mean, I like to taste butter and flour, but almonds would just confuse me. And I understand people have to have almond milk. They can't drink other things, but they just run through my mind. Cat head biscuits with almond milk, I don't think that'd work. Do you? Cornbread out of an iron skillet with almond milk, that wouldn't work. I don't, I don't think it'd stick. Isn't that right? It wouldn't burn properly. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Ain't nothing better than a slab of cornbread. Amen, I'm talking about a slab of cornbread too. 
shoved down in a glass of milk, amen, made out of buttermilk, isn't that right? And an onion about that thick cut and put with it, amen. I, you say, well, I've never tasted that. Well, I promise you go home tonight and you need to eat it in the evening time. It's a whole lot better, amen. Eat it before you go to bed tonight. I promise you, you'll sleep better than you've ever slept. You'll wake up and you'll think you woke up in a brand new world, amen. I'm talking about there's a generation and they eat food and they never think about the good cooked meals that their mother makes. They never think about walking in the bathroom and it always being clean and their clothes being washed and folded. It don't just happen that way, amen. I'm talking about you ought to bless your parents all the days of their life. You ought to thank God that they've been taking care of you. You ought to be obedient to them. But there's a generation, my friend, they talk to their mother and their father like they're trash. That's the generation we're living in. It is a profane generation, friend. It's a millennial generation. And then I think about the perversion of this generation. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 12. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. I see here the thinking of this generation. The Bible said that they're pure in their own eyes. When you think about the perversion of this generation, it began with their thought process. How they begin to think. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'm talking about how you think is how you live. Isn't that right? What you think about, the things, what do you think about? What is on your mind most of the time? Do you think about the things of God? Do you think about the things of this world? Do you think about the perverted things of this world? When we think about perversion, we think about filthiness of the world. We think about a lot of uh, inappropriate things. But can I tell you what perversion is? A man that is engulfed in the materialistic things of this world and all he thinks about is the things of this world and all he's consumed with is the things of this world. That is much is a perversion as it is any other avenue that you want to walk down. And this generation here, is, they have a generation that the Bible said here that their thinking is perverted, that they think about that they're pure in their own eyes, that, that they don't ever see anything wrong that they're doing. That's what the Bible is saying here, that if you talk to them and you try to witness to them, they're okay. Anybody ever heard that? I'm okay. Well, I, I, no, I'm not really done anything that bad. That's the generation we're living in. You know, years ago, and it ain't been that many years ago, that when you would talk to a sinner and begin to witness to them, if they weren't right with God, they'd drop their head. They'd get nervous. We pulled up at a, at a, uh, a convenience store just the other day, just, just Friday, matter of fact, and uh, was needing some directions and I caught the first man coming out and I seen it behind him. I'd already spoke to him and I seen it behind him. He had a 12 pack of beer and he was coming down the side of his truck there and I was on the other side. I said, sir, could you get me some directions? And, and I seen him, I said, I said, I'm looking for such and such Baptist church. And when I said that, I seen that 12 pack go behind his back. I've seen my dad do that many times. I've seen them fold a cigarette till it nearly burn a hole in their hand. And my preacher would just stand there and talk to them until they had to either drop it, amen, or get caught on fire. <laughs> but you know what? When I seen that man hide that uh, 12 pack of beer behind his back, I realized something about him. He still had a conscience. When he heard the word church, something I said, you better hide that sin. But we're living in a generation that doesn't see anything wrong with that. They go to churches now where preachers tell them it's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk. I'm gonna tell you some alcohol still sin. Somebody say amen. And there's no such thing as, as Christian toddies, amen. 
There's no such thing. They said, well, I don't drink beer, I drink wine. Doesn't make no difference. It's still fermented, amen? And we can talk all day about uh, John chapter two, amen, Jesus turning the water into wine. And I don't tell you it wasn't fermented wine, but if you can turn water into wine, I'll drink it, friend, amen? Isn't that right? If he had the ability to make water wine, then he had the ability to not make it fermented. It was through the vine, which is the first fruit that come off that vine. It hadn't been spoiled. It hadn't been fermented. Isn't that right? And so our Savior would never go contrary to the scripture. But what I'm saying, here's a generation that doesn't see nothing wrong with anything. And when you try to talk to them, you try to point out their sin. Oh, I'm just as good as you are. Everything is okay. I'll be okay when I leave this walk of life. Oh, if you're saved, I'm saved. I'm telling you, listen, the first step in getting saved is realizing you're a sinner, realizing you're lost, realizing you can't save yourself, realizing you need help. And long as you point a finger at someone else, you're never zeroing in on your own self and your own sin, amen. Do you see your sin this morning? Do I see my sin? There is a generation that the Bible says here, they're perverse in their thinking, they're perverse in the truth. Look what the Bible says, and yet is not washed from their own filthiness. They're right in their own eyes. The book of Judges said that there's a verse over and over and over in the book of Judges, I'm sure you know this verse, that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Lawlessness is in our land today. When people live one way but they'll lock other people up for crimes that do not even come close to the crimes that they've committed. Today it's who you know and not how you live. It's not the things you do. I'm talking about even all the way from the White House all the way down to the church house. Corruption on every level, corruption on every hand. And listen, there's a generation that has grown up. They've seen that corruption. They've lived in that corruption when things were neither black nor white. Don't you thank God for the days when things were just black or white and there was no gray. You either is or you was and it was either right or it was wrong. But there's a generation that has grown up. It's not their fault, but they've grown up in a corrupt society that now, listen, they don't see anything wrong with anything because they've been told all their life there wasn't anything wrong with anything. They've been, authority has been misplaced and has been taken out and my friend has been replaced with education so now their thinking is not just profane but the Bible said it's perverse and my friend they ignore the truth because they've been told that there is no truth. The Bible is still the truth this morning, isn't that right? And I see the profanity, the perversion of this generation. And then I see the pride of this generation. Look at verse number 13. There is a generation that are pure in their, verse number 13. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. You see, these are the steps of a millennial generation. What started as an adolescence in verse 11, as a toddler, not respecting their parents, not being taught to respect. You know, a child just doesn't naturally know to respect mom and dad. I'm not going to harp on it this morning, but I do want to mention it. If you're a parent here this morning, you don't whip your children, you're not obeying the scriptures. Amen? I know that's not politically correct. Go home and read the book of Proverbs. Go home and read your Bible. If you time out your children and you don't whip your children, you're not doing what the Bible says. Now you watch how quiet it'll get when you say that. But the truth is, here's what's gonna happen to your child. Mark down what I'm telling you. It's not a possibility, it's concrete this morning. If you don't whip your children, you're not following the scriptures, and then what will happen to them is they will grow up and learn how to manipulate the system. 
The system starts with parents. And from parents, it goes to school or it goes to the job. That's the generation we've got today. I mean, how many of you people, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you remember the day when you went to public school and every teacher had a, had a paddle sitting on their desk? And they walked the halls. I mean, they walked the hall like Buford Pusser. Amen. They had, a, they, had a, they had about a quarter inch or a half inch paddle with holes drilled in it with everybody's name signed on it. And they stuck it in their back pocket. And I'm telling you, they walked tall down the hallways and every child walked in fear. Amen. And the only racket we were used to in school was sitting there doing our school work and you'd hear, you'd hear three whacks down the hallway that sounded like a rifle going off. I mean, if anybody would have carried guns back then, we wouldn't have known anybody being shot. We thought, listen, four or five kids just got paddled. Amen. Isn't that right? But I'm gonna tell you what happened back then. People drove pickup trucks to high school and they had 12 gauge and 16 gauge shot, single shot shotguns hanging in the back window and nobody never thought nothing about it, amen. Nobody went to school and shot nobody. You know why? Because there was authority in the school, amen. There wasn't no special classes for disrupting children, amen. You would hear the teacher say out in the hall, amen. And what out in the hall meant was you was about to get your taillights fired up, amen. And they'd fire you up and listen, you knew who was in charge and you lived a better life, a Simple life, amen. I'm just talking about it and it knocked the pride out of you. Well, I hate confessions, don't you? I had an English teacher, listen. She she had, listen, she was about this high. She didn't weigh 90 pounds soaking wet. And I remember in seventh grade, she had a real sweet, soft voice. And every one of us boys thought, well, she's a pushover. We thought, what's she gonna do? And so we'd come in and get a little bit rowdy. She'd say, now y'all settle down, you know. And then she'd say, if y'all, if y'all don't settle down, I'm going to have to call you out in the hall. I thought, Phew. now don't y'all act so spiritual on me. I thought, she couldn't hurt a flea. She called three of us out in the hallway one day. And I'm going to tell you what she did. She made us put our hands on a block wall like we were getting arrested, you know. Like we were going to prison. <laughs> We put our hands on that block wall. She grabbed hold of our belt loops and she pulled it. I mean, so tight, it'd make you holler yelp, you know. She pulled that, she pulled the hammer back on that paddle and I'm gonna tell you, she lit our world up. I didn't think I'd been paddled. I thought I'd been shot. I felt a fry to the top of my head, friend. She did that one time. I said, never again. Oh, no. When she says jump, I'll say, yes, ma'am, how high do you want me to jump? Wouldn't life be so much easier if people went back to that? I'm going to tell you what it did for me as a 13-year-old boy in seventh grade. It knocked the pride. I'm going to tell you, it's one, thing when the, it's one thing when the PE teacher, you know, with the whistle and the sweats on and, and you know, he's like this. And it's one thing when he paddles you, but when an when a English teacher weighing 90 pounds Light your world up and you come in holding the tears back. You're humiliated, friend. Humiliation's good for everybody. I'd rather be humble than just humiliated. Truth is, every young person has to have it. And when you look at your child and you say, I don't do that again. Don't do that again. Hey, if you do that again, I'm going to whip you. I'm telling you, if you do that again, I'm going to come whip you. Until you've had enough, you've met, listen, you ain't teaching that child nothing. When you look at that child and you snap them fingers and say, hey, don't do that again. And they look at you like, okay, 
That's the way it ought to be, friend. And that is not popular today. So, said, Brother Gravity, why do you preach that so much? Because even there's parents sitting in this church, you need to hear that. You need to go home and have revival with your paddle. Amen. That's right. Don't wait till they're 10 years old. I'm going to tell you, if you wait till they're 10, when they're 17, you're going to sit in my office crying your eyes out. I know I've said that before, but it needs to be said again. Because it's the generation we're dealing with, a prideful generation. And it's not just teenagers. I'm telling you, young adults nowadays. Millennials are harder to pastor. Not these millennials. Thank God for you. But take heed to what I'm telling you. Millennials, you ask any pastor, they're harder to pastor than any generation. It doesn't mean that all of them are. I thank God for the millennials that are sitting in our church, but I think the millennials sitting in our church would agree with me that there's a different cut of millennials out there, even ones that go to church and what they want to be a part of. We're living in a generation that they're so, they know everything. You know what the saving, what the saving of my life has been, and my wife would say this about her, the saving, and many here would agree with this. The saving of my ministry, the saving of pastoring this church, so many, you know what it has been? Listening and learning from older generations. I thank God for Brother Charles Roach. I thank God for Brother Laddie Lyons. I thank God for Brother Tom Barnes. Amen. You fought in a war, didn't you? Amen. A Marine, isn't that right? Once a Marine. Always. Amen. I liked his shirt yesterday. He come out there, USA. Amen. But you know what? That older generation, you learn from them. What about young adults today that know everything but can't do anything? That's right. I can tell you all kinds of stats. Put a lawnmower in front of them and tell them to change the oil. Amen. I'm just talking about, I mean, give them a skillet and, a, and, and, and some flour and ask them some oil. Amen. And, and, and a little bit of butter, is that right? So make some biscuits. Amen. Well, they'll go over the fridge and pull a bag out. Isn't that right? You said, preacher, why do you say it? Because there is a generation that they know everything. They don't listen to nothing. I'm going to tell you, you ought to find somebody with gray hairs and listen to them. Don't get your education out of some psycho psychology book. Can I get a witness on that? Don't get your education, listen to me, out of another young, from some young person. Thank God for young people, but if they're the same age as you, what they say may sound good, but you need to look at somebody that's been down life's road a little bit. Look at somebody that, that, that's done been proven, amen? Look at somebody that, hey, listen to somebody that's already made mistakes and has made uh, some accomplishments because they can tell you both and you can learn from both of them. Is that right this morning? I'm talking about don't be so high and mighty that you think you know everything. Don't, don't think that you know how to do it. Well I, well, I got this under control. Oh, you may right now. What are you going to do when it gets out of control? Because it is. It will get out of control. I came to this church. I was 23 years old. Brother Cake was 78 when he left, and I was scared absolutely out of my mind. I told no later when I come to this church, I said, you know what? I'm going to preach the Bible the best I can. I'm going to knock on doors, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. So maybe they don't know how ignorant I am. I'm telling you the truth. 23. I wanted to stay here. I did. Lady, I said, I want to stay. I told her that. I said, I want to stay. I don't want to do something foolish. I done pastored one church three years. And I didn't learn much, but I learned enough to know I didn't know anything. I said, I just want to stay here. And she said, I do too. 
I said, well, we're just going to keep it tight-lipped. First business meeting we had, I, I, told, I remember I told Brother Roach, I said, you run the business meeting, and I'll watch. They've been doing it 40 years. Isn't that right? I didn't want to come here rolling in like I knew how to do it. 40 years, they knew what they were doing. There's a lot can be learned by looking at people that are older than you are and listening to them. There is a lot that can be lost. Listen, you can, you can learn from somebody that thinks they know. And I'm going to tell you something about older people. I've learned this about them. Older people will never tell you anything if you don't ask them. You'll have to watch them and you'll have to ask them because they're not shelling out information. They don't feel like they know everything. They don't feel like they're, they'll tell you this, well, I'm nobody to give advice. I've heard them say that a thousand times, but they really are. You be careful of the person that's just quick. Well, they, they're quick to shell it out. They know it all. I'm talking about that's a generation that's lofty in their own eyes. That's a generation that's lifted up. That's a generation that thinks they got it all together. Can I tell you this morning, we don't have it all together. As a parent, I don't care. You don't have it all together. There's only one that has it all together. And you got to stay on your knees and talk to as a pastor. I'm going to tell you something. 21 years in the same place, I'm just going to tell you, I don't have it all together. I know this morning that if he don't hold my hand, if he don't help me as much today as he did way back then, I'll surely fall on my face. I'll make the wrong decision. We'll go in the wrong direction. I need him more today than I even did back then. I'm telling you, we don't have it all together. You never go wrong by saying, God, I don't know. Lord, I need help. You never go wrong by going to somebody that does know. Say, can you help me? Do you have any advice? I'm talking about that. That's how you overcome it, friends. And it takes humility. It'll help you. A generation. I see the pride. And then let me give you one last thing. I see the persecution of this generation. Look at that last verse. It says that this generation, verse number 14, their teeth are like swords, their jaw teeth as knives. They devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among the men. And what that simply means is it reveals both their mouth and their motive. That they're out for number one. They don't care who they run over. They don't care who they stop. As long as they can get to the top. They'll push anybody aside, anybody away. You know, there was a time when, when people would lend a helping hand. There was a time when a handshake meant something. When a man's word was his bond. When character was, was more important than, than prosperity or anything else. It wasn't about being first. In fact, there was a generation that they were taught to put others before them that did not be first, that it wasn't about me. They were not the me generation. It wasn't about me. It's about, it's about helping my fellow brother, my fellow man, lending a hand, being kind and courteous to, to all that I come in contact with and, and helping those that are, are, are further down than what we are to, to pull them up and to lift them up, not just Christian character, but that was the conduct of society. But oh, we're living in a generation now they'll lie, they'll steal, they'll cheat uh, they'll say anything and do anything to be number one and whoever can get to the top, uh, I'm going to tell you at the top it's nothing but vanity friend uh, at the top uh, it doesn't mean anything as brother Danny sung that song this morning, uh, you can have friends that will make you feel like you're number one but if you don't have Jesus, if you're not living for God, you don't have anything this morning and life isn't about being number one, life is about going to the end of the line, putting 
putting everybody else first and being a servant to those that are in your pathway and God will be bless you for that. Our Savior said the last shall be first. And the first will be last. And we're having a fellowship dinner. But that World War II, that factory building generation, put them at the front of the line. Amen. When, when an older person comes in and they look around and they need a seat, you get up and give them your seat. Isn't that right? You don't take their seat. You give them your seat. Respect. Goes a long ways, don't it? There is a generation, their teeth are like swords. That means they will devour anyone that gets in their way. I want to tell you today, this morning, that's true in our churches today. You love your church, and I know you do. You got to pray for your church. And this morning, if you're a millennial, and I thank God, as I've said so many times in this message, I appreciate the millennials we have here this morning. I do not believe the millennials that I'm preaching to fit the text that we're talking about this morning. But I would say to every millennial that's here this morning, help me pray. Help me pray and let's work together and let's raise another generation the way you were raised and the way the generation before us was raised. Don't listen to the psychology and the talk shows and the philosophy of this world today. Don't listen to other young people, no matter how much charisma and things they may say. And they, the, out there, the things they may say may sound like gold. Find you a gray-haired saint of God. Find you somebody that's been down life's road. Don't listen to what people say. Look at their life. Look at how they lived. And say, you know what? Everybody may think they're old and outdated. Society may say that they're they don't know anything, but they've lived and they've learned. And I can look at their life and I can see what they've done. And you know what? I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to what they have to say. I'm going to learn from their life. I'm going to look at how they're living. And I'm going to try to pattern my life, my family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pattern after them. I'm going to follow the principles of the Bible. I'm going to do what the Word of God says. No matter what people say, I'm going to follow the principles of that book as we stand this morning.